Aloha, and welcome back to the Healing Laughter Podcast, the show where we talk about all things narcissistic abuse. I'm your host, Katie Utterback. I'm a certified narcissistic abuse recovery coach at Elevated Aura, an international holistic coaching firm specializing in helping survivors of toxic relationships learn self-love and how to live their best life. The other day, I was rehearsing in my head how I was going to introduce myself, and I really found myself tripping over my profession. And as I often do, I was really curious about why this was happening to the extent that it was. So I sat with it and I started realizing that I've always struggled with introducing myself and relaying what I do because I always say something entirely different. So for example, when I was a reporter, I was almost exclusively writing about weed, marijuana, but I didn't come out and say like, I'm a reporter and my beat is marijuana. I would say I'm a journalist and that I covered a variety of political issues. Now, sometimes if there was the right like audience for this topic, I would include that I covered the efforts to legalize cannabis, but you can see how I would say much more elegantly what I was doing than I was actually doing. And sometimes I wouldn't even say that I was a journalist. I would just say I'm a writer. And even now that I'm an ICF certified coach and my whole mission is to just spread like self-love throughout the world like glitter, I still stumble over introducing myself because I'm highly aware that not everyone is receptive or understanding of what I do. I'm highly aware of the judgment that comes with having a job as a self-love coach. I'm highly aware of the judgment that comes with just being a life coach in general let alone being one that works with energy and breath work and and self-love. So obviously, there's some judgment from myself a bit in there too. I'm struggling with fully embracing the fact that I do know how to work with energy. And the other part that kind of freaks me out a little bit is that I can sometimes communicate with spirits. Now, I'm not a full open channel or medium by any means, at least not yet. I haven't exactly mastered how to call in specific angels or guides, which is why I actually don't invite anyone in. I don't open portals because I don't yet know how to do that and protect myself from all of the energies that could come in. But I do listen and I do my best to remain calm when I do get visited by those on the other side. But that's a story for a later episode. Um, But as I was sitting and thinking, trying to figure out why it felt so scary to put myself out there and introduce myself as a self-love coach, um, especially to men, the answer kind of came to me in my inbox. Girl, you have the witch wound. So the witch wound is the intergenerational trauma that has been passed down through our ancestors for being different, for being unique. If you worked as a midwife, a healer, an herbalist, you probably have the witch wound. So the witch wound is the pain that we hold from a past life where we most likely ourselves were persecuted and hunted for being what people perceive to be witches. So I actually think it's more powerful to experience the witch wound and remember it from your senses rather than just hearing a definition or reading about it. So I want to invite you to take a deep breath, take a deep breath in through the nose, thinking Ave on that inhale, hold it, and then exhale, saw through your mouth. So inhale, Exhale, 
So if it's safe, I do invite you to close your eyes so you can get the full vision going as I describe this for you. But I want you to imagine that you're just going about your day, minding your own business, doing your own thing. Maybe you just finished your morning ritual. You just had a beautiful yoga session, and now you're just reflecting, writing in your journal when you hear a knock at your door. So you open the door, and there are several big, intimidating men standing on your front porch with scowls on their faces. And behind these men is a small group of people from your community. It's mostly made of men in this group, but there's plenty of women there too. Now, the men who knocked on your door, they grab you and they drag you out of your home. Remember, you were just writing in your journal, and now these men have shown up, they've dragged you out of your home, and they are dragging you to the center of a courtyard. And in this courtyard, more people from your community have gathered in this space. Now, maybe you're so confused that you've gone into freeze mode. Or maybe you're so pissed off that you're kicking and screaming and demanding that these men let you go. Now, regardless of what you do, of what you say, you're ignored. The men hoist you onto a platform where there's a large stake coming up from the ground. They line you up with the stake and then tie your hands behind your back with rope. When you finally look up, you see the faces of your neighbors. You see the faces of your friends. You see the faces of people that you recognize from your community. And then one of the men begins to speak. He says, this is the persecution of your name, a witch. We will not tolerate witchery, abominations, or trickery in this village. Now, at this point, you're struggling to free yourself from the stake. Your wrists are starting to begin to burn from the friction against the rope and the stake, and you can't believe that this is happening. Like, someone's going to step in and stop this craziness, right? You look out at the crowd, and you see the faces of a few women who have been standoffish toward you for, the like, years. Maybe they avoided you because they thought you were different. And now here they are smiling. They're definitely enjoying seeing you suffer like this. Now the men begin to speak to the crowd more intensely, but you cannot hear a word that they say. You're completely engulfed in the realization that you're being hunted, persecuted. You're probably going to die today, right now. And no matter how hard you struggle against the binds, you're stuck. There's really no way out. And although it feels like hours, it's just minutes. You can't think of any way out of the situation when one of the men lights a gas-soaked rag and that erupts into a fiery blaze. The man walks over to you and you can start to feel that heat from that flame. So your thoughts now stop being about you and how you're going to get out of the situation. And it starts turning to thoughts about the future. If no one stops this now, if no one stands up for me, who is going to stand up in the future? What's going to happen to my children if they're different? What about my friends, my sisters, my mother, my aunt, who's also different? Now, at this point, that flame is at the bottom of the stake. And in a matter of seconds, that flame is going to reach your feet. You start to smell burning flesh. It's your own burning flesh. And you feel such intense pain that you find yourself wishing for death. Truly anything is better than having to feel this burning, searing pain any longer. As the flame grows higher and hotter, 
it completely engulfs you until there is nothing left of you but your soul. This is the witch wound. So you can open your eyes. Now the witch wound is born out of the trauma from the witch trials, the mass murder of women in Europe and the Americas in which more than 60,000 women were persecuted, tortured, and killed. I want to acknowledge that men were burned and killed for their knowledge and wisdom too, but to put that 60,000 figure into perspective, that's higher than the number of Americans who died in the Vietnam War. And actually, many believe that the actual death toll of these witch trials was far higher than the 60,000. And that's because no one was safe from these witch trials. Like truly, women and men to some extent could be accused of being a witch for almost anything. So let's say you were working on a feudal land and your, your feudal lord asks you out on a date and you say no. You could be called a witch for that. Maybe you dared to use your natural gifts and talents as a midwife, or you knew how to heal people with herbs that you found in nature, you would be called a witch. Or maybe you had a dog or a cat or some other pet that really connected with you. They, this animal seemed especially dedicated to you. You would be called a witch. If you were too outspoken, you would be called a witch. And What's almost worse with this witch wound is that women were often tortured into turning on each other, even members of their own families. So that's how we wound up with these collective witch wounds and we don't necessarily trust one another and we are happy to point out who is different and who is unique. It's because we are not only dealing with these individual wounds of being persecuted in a past life, but we have this collective trauma of somebody outing us. So let me give you an example of what I mean by that. So going back to the example of that that experience of being burned at the stake, let's take woman A. So woman A is a relative of yours, and she witnessed the atrocities that happened to you. She saw that you were burned at the stake for being different. So now she's living in fear. And woman A does what she needs to in order to survive, which really means that she hides her abilities. She keeps her head down. She steps away from her power and in doing so becomes submissive and compliant. Woman A isolates herself in the case that if someone were to find out her power, well, there's no one around. That's why she isolates. So she dampens her power in order to blend in. She's not going to talk about the trauma of being different, of losing someone, being burned at the stake, because that would be wrong and you could end up having the same fate for having sympathy or saying that it's wrong to burn people at the stake. So what woman A has to do is reject her lineage and practice to avoid being othered, to avoid being labeled as different. So that's one example of how families would kind of turn on one another. And then there's another example, which is woman B. So woman B is maybe not a relative, but she's in the crowd of people who's watching you burn at the stake. And maybe she feels really confused as to how she feels about what's going on. Maybe on the one hand, 
you know, she doesn't want to die like you, but she doesn't necessarily think that what's happening needs to happen. But that fear of being killed, of being burned at the stake is so strong that woman B decides then and there while you're burning at the stake that she's going to out anyone and everyone who has a higher chance of being bad or different than she does. So this means that woman B is going to dutifully report to community leaders about any other woman she knows that may be different or might be practicing as a witch. Now, woman B starts to believe truly that by outing others, she's protecting herself and her family from the trauma that she's witnessed. Now, even though some of these women that she's, you know, tattling on, outing, they are her friends. They've been her friends. But she cannot slip up because her belief is that if I dare take a chance of hiding someone's uniqueness or difference and they are found out to be a witch, then I might be labeled as a witch and then my worst fear is going to happen. I'm going to be killed. So now in both of these scenarios, the women have internalized that fear of being burned at the stake and readjusted their belief systems, readjusted their actions in order to survive. And this is what's so interesting. So it's not just that these women had to adjust their belief systems and their actions to survive and not be burned at the stake. They pass along to their children these specific beliefs, these specific actions, these coping mechanisms, these defense mechanisms. And then their children have children whom they pass on to their beliefs. So you see where I'm going with this, how just one individual experience or situation can truly alter the lives of generations to come. Now imagine that like on the grand scale of the burning times. So for centuries, women were persecuted for just daring to live outside the box that society had built for them. So your witch wound is the imprint left on your soul from that incarnation where there really was a femicide. It's that soul-based trauma that keeps you playing inside the box, even though you're no longer trapped in a box. So it's kind of like that story where the farmer had the dog tied to a tree for its entire life, and the dog could go no further than that leash or that rope allowed. But finally, one day near the end of the dog's life, it was like 14 years or something, the farmer lets the dog off the leash, and the dog never wanders further than where the leash allowed it to go originally. And that's essentially what's happening now. We're no longer actively living in the burning times. People are not being burned at the stake for having a close connection with an animal or being a witch, right? But the fear of being different, the fear of being persecuted for being unique, it still keeps us acting small as if the burning times are still here. So how this witch wound shows up today is fear of being labeled as separate or other or bad. You might have a disconnection from your own cultural lineage. You might feel disconnected from the healing modalities that your ancestors used. You might feel disembodied from yourself. You might find that you are oppressing your personal beliefs and the freedom of those beliefs. You might find that you're oppressing your emotions. You might have a deep fear of speaking out and or being seen. Perhaps you're disconnected from your inherent intuitive abilities and gifts. Maybe you isolate from others and their support. You have a mistrust of other women or men who are not in your inner circle. 
and you have a constant fear that violence is going to be used against you. So I know for me personally, I've been wanting to do an episode on the witch moon for months, but somehow I kept forgetting to do the episode or like I would remember at inopportune times and then I would come up with a reason why I thought the episode would just be like too much. And in hindsight, I think that was just a way that I was trying to protect myself from further witch wound trauma because I 100% match the definition of a woman who would have been burned. A lot of the witches that were burned, a lot of the females who were burned actually came from Ireland and Germany. And that's where my ancestry is really, uh, that's where my origin really comes from, Ireland and Germany. And even in today's standards, you know, I'm a self-love coach who helps the truth tellers in dysfunctional family of origins. Like I'm an, an, I'm an empath who works with energies and breath work and I'm obsessed with my dog. So yeah, I would be burned so fast. And it's so interesting to me too, that from when I was young, that's actually one of the few things that I do remember about my childhood is that I've always been interested in magic. Not like magicians and magic tricks kind of magic, but like witches and spells and using natural herbs and remedies and, you know, the communication and power of animals. So I was always enamored with shows like Bewitched and Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Charmed, like anything that acknowledged that there were secret witches in society and that magic really did exist. It was just that not everyone had the ability to understand and believe and so those shows always piqued my interest. And I truly would dream that when I turned 16, that my parents would reveal that we had this family secret. And the secret was that we were all actually like really good witches. Uh, and I guess I ran into some issues manifesting that one because only part of that came true. I did have a family secret at 16, uh, but it was definitely not that I had magic powers. <laughs> But anyway, when I got an email the other day about the witch wound, I knew it was a sign from the universe that it was time for me to step up and step out as my true self, like all parts. And for me, that includes acknowledging that I not only have the witch wound, but that my witch wound has played a huge role in making me play small in wife. Now, there's actually four common signs that your witch wound trauma is oozing all over the place like mine was. So number one, do you live a life lived in fear and hiding to avoid accusation? So if you find yourself uh, being a people pleaser, maybe you have poor boundaries or non-existent boundaries, you struggle with perfectionism, and maybe you have a fear of showing your face on social media, going live, something like that, that's a sign that you have the witch wound. Another sign is economic oppression. So having to give up your money source for safety. Now, if you have this witch wound, it's likely that you have some sort of fixation with money and security. Maybe you feel like you need to sacrifice money in order to be happy, or you have to sacrifice happiness in order to get money. So in your mind, you really can't imagine having enough money to feel safe. So you often push it away, finding that money leaves your account as soon as it hits. It's like you have a hole burning in your pocket. You just cannot keep it for the life of you. That would be a sign. A third sign is that you're killed for your individuality. So you have a self-sabotage wound. So essentially what this means is that in your mind, in your subconscious mind, your success is incredibly risky. 
So on some level, you're afraid that you're going to be harmed if you succeed. So you self-sabotage. You make sure that you never get past a certain comfort level around this idea of success. So maybe your parents only reached a certain level of success and you don't feel it's safe for you to surpass them. So maybe you find yourself playing small when it comes to your career. That's what I mean by the self-sabotage wound. And then we have betrayal, loss, and fear due to what you saw happen to the people that you loved. So magic might not feel safe for you if your soul, your DNA is still remembering that witch wound being burned at the stake. So you still might feel disconnected from your intuition. You might not feel it's safe to trust your gut. So you might be somebody who relies on strategy and logic. You think more with your brain. You think more, um, you know, if I do A, B, and C, then it has to equal D. And that way you feel like you have more control of your life. But what you actually need is to get reconnected with your inner wisdom and magic. So start working on trusting your intuition. Start working on trusting your gut. Go back to that sacral chakra work where it's just like that toddler, uh uh-uh, nah uh kind of response where it's nonverbal and it's a yes or a no. There's not in between, not a maybe, not, you know, a long line of history that you're considering. It's just yes or no. What's so interesting to me, especially since we just went over those four signs of the, the witch wound, is that these attributes of the witch wound, they dovetail with the mother wound and the sister wound. And it's also connected to systemic racism and oppression. And no, that's not a coincidence that all this information is coming out at this time. And no, it's not a coincidence that the mother wound, the sister wound, racism, the witch wound, that they're all connected. And actually, I find this extremely interesting because one of the themes that's been predicted in astrology and quantum human design and numerology between now and 2027 is the complete outing of just how much our society and systemic government and corporate structures, like truly how much of our way of life is built on low vibrational energies or thought processes like hate and racism and sexism, greed, jealousy, like all of it. So now that this wound is coming out, how do we heal from this wound? How do we stop living from a place of fear and stop this intergenerational cycle, this witch wound that we've been born into? Now, the first step is exactly the same as healing the mother wound, the sister wound, healing from narcissistic abuse or any other toxic relationship. It's awareness. So first, the awareness that this is a wound that we need to give attention to. Awareness that it's a collective, global, and pervasive wound, not just an individual wound. It's the awareness that we don't have to subscribe to the narrative that we've been born into and that the world reinforces. It's awareness that in the past, our ancestors may have had to use these coping mechanisms to survive, but we are no longer in a time where these burning threats are viable. Now, after that awareness, after that acceptance, we move into the action phase. And yes, this is the hardest part of the process because it's hard to unknow or unlearn what you know, what your default familiar way of being is. But when you know better, it's it's hard to go back to those toxic ways of being. 
So what does this look like? How do we do better? Well, number one, we have to recognize that it's a choice now for us to live in constant fear and adhere to these, you know, toxic survival coping mechanisms. We need to recognize that we really don't have the luxury of turning a blind eye to trauma, pain, wounding, and oppression that's been happening for centuries and is continuing to happen. It's not going away on its own. We need to stop. We need to deal with it. We need to talk about it. We need to figure out what the root of the issue is. We need to clean out that wound, and then we need to heal it. So how do we heal it? It's a choice to do that internal work around these wounds, and it's being brave enough to talk about them. It's grounding ourselves individually as we awaken to the pain and oppression of others. And that's where we learn to respond and not react because we realize, we remember that when someone is saying negative, nasty things about us, almost always it's about them. It has nothing to do with us. So this is where rewriting the narrative that we were born into that keeps us trapped in our old stories is so important. We have to change that script in our mind. We have to change that script about who we say we are and what we do and what we're all about. And part of rewriting that narrative is reclaiming ourselves. It's reclaiming our past, our lineage, our pain, our trauma, and our place in all of it. That's where the shadow work comes in. It's looking at the dark parts of ourselves and saying, yes, that is still me. I love that part of me because that part of me kept me safe and brought me to this moment. So essentially the energy of this witch wound, of healing this collective trauma, this individual trauma, the energy is saying, you are no longer able to just sit on the sidelines and watch. You must be an active participant now. So for me, when I started hearing that with the witch wound, when I got that email saying, you are no longer able to sit on the sidelines and watch, you must be an active participant now For me, that means coming out and sharing my gifts, my knowledge, and helping heal the collective witch wound by acknowledging my healing power, my magic, and not running from it, not hiding it, but using it, standing tall and proud and honoring who I am, who I used to be, and who I am becoming. That's our show today. And remember, you deserve healing from narcissistic abuse because you are fucking worth it. And I love you. If you have any questions about narcissistic abuse or the recovery journey that you would like to have answered on the show, please send an email to katie at elevatedaura.com or submit a voice message on the Healing Laughter Anger podcast homepage. For any other questions, please visit elevatedaura.com.